eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The following is a presentation of Radio.com Sports. Welcome in to another edition of Radio.com Sports Big Time Baseball Players Edition. Alongside Tony Gwynn Jr., I'm Ben Davis. Big Time Baseball Players Edition is a part of Radio.com, which allows you to listen to your favorite radio stations for free, anytime, anywhere. Listen over 300 stations and over 1,100 podcasts. Explore by location or genre to find music, news, and sports from your own location or across the country. You can follow Radio.com Sports on Twitter at RDC Sports. On today's episode, we'll have former Astro and member of the 2008 World Series champion Philadelphia Phillies, Brad Lidge, will be on the podcast later today. What a perfect way to close out the season with a lights-out World Series closer. Tony, we I got see a see what you did there, BD. <laughs> that was nice. We got a lot to get into. Game 7 coming up tonight. I am so glad that the season uh, is not over yet. I thought last night I'd like to Astro's chances, but... Uh, I guess you just can't roll out the visiting team in this World Series. It's hard to believe. All the games have been won by the visiting team. This is this World Series has been so good, and uh, you know we have one more game, and I can't, I, I can't stand when that last pitch of the World Series is thrown. It's like a part of my soul just dies. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, I know it's a lot of baseball, 162 regular season games, and then the the playoffs. It just seems to go on and on, but. Uh, it's such a big part of our lives. And when that last pitch is thrown, uh, part of me dies with it. But we got one more to go. And and uh, what do you expect to see tonight? So lovely. What do you expect to see? Uh, what, well, it's hard to know, right? Because no home team has won a game. So Astros don't have a clear advantage. Um, I do like the fact that as long as Max Scherzer is healthy, uh, I like I like that as an advantage for the Nationals. Um Anytime you can have your ace, one of your aces, I should say, uh, on the bump, I think that's always a positive thing. And listen, in, in the games that the Nationals have won, they've done a better job of whether it's bunning guys over, hitting 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 balls on the ground through the infield that on shifts, taking what the, the pitcher and the defense is giving them. 
They've done a better job of that. Now, the Astros do such a good job of of hitting you with the long ball, getting a few guys, bam, three-run hunter. Getting a guy on, bam, two-run homer. Um, and I would suspect against a guy like Max Scherzer, that may be a little tougher to come by. So uh, I, I, if I'm going to give an advantage, I, I'm going to say Nationals, especially considering no home team has won a, a game. But either way, as you said, I am extremely excited about a Game 7 uh, especially with the way this series has gone, right? I mean, this has been a, a really good series uh, from really all aspects. And then you have the controversy last night, which everybody's talking about this morning. Um, it, it all leads to the drama that will end tonight. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> hopefully it won't be as much drama as last night. This whole thing with Trey Turner that, that went on uh, with, you know, the interference call, it is a judgment call. It cannot go to replay. And, home plate umpire thought he was it was in the line and and you know from my from my look at it it was the wrong call you know there were here a lot of people saying it was the right call because by the rule you know that the lines marking the three-foot lane are a part of that lane and a batter slash runner is required to have both feet within the three-foot lane or on the lines marking the lane the batter runner is permitted to exit the three-foot lane by means of a step stride reach or slide in the immediate vicinity of first base for the sole purpose of touching first base. Now that's a lot of words right there, but what do you say? Was it the right call or not the right call? I mean, by the, by the, by the letter of the law, it was the correct call. Uh, Do you like to see that call in a game six of a world series? No, but on the flip side of that, if it's not called and, and Guerrero's glove is somewhere down the first baseline, how, do we feel differently about it the next day? You know, that, and that's that's part of the issue. You know, we're, we're in a in a in a time where everybody's outraged about everything. They want rule changes immediately after it's all said and done. And, and listen, listen, there are no games where every rule is put perfectly and then applied perfectly. There are human beings running this game, at, at least as of right now. I mean, who knows? We could have robot umpires. I know they're talking about that here uh, soon, but. Uh, I I think it was I think he got the call right. Now I, I would have liked to see him handle dealing with Dave Martinez a little bit better because it did seem like he was poking the bear. Yeah. Uh, as Sam Holbrook, I'm talking about home plate umpire, uh, it did seem like he was poking the bear a little bit, and he got the bear's claws when it was all said and done. But fortunately for the Nats, when it was all said and done, it ended up not affecting the game because they have such tremendous stars in Anthony Rendon and, and, and Juan Soto. They were able to overcome it, um, but man, either way, we'd be talking about. I, I believe we'd be talking about that play if it, whether it was called in favor of the Nats or whether it was called in favor of the Astros. I think that's just the way it goes. That's sports. Yeah, but at, at some point, either they start reviewing everything or they just they they forget the reviews at, as it is because a lot of these judgment calls, which you're not allowed to review, right? You're not allowed to view right. a check swing or the play we saw last night. I think it, it'll take two seconds to review a check swing. Like that's that play last night should be reviewable. I, I'm sorry, and especially in that crucial situation, it should be reviewable. Now they go back and look at it because the the Nats wanted to protest the game. Well, they wanted to see if if it was a protestable, uh, you know, occurrence that happened in the game. They re, they realized it wasn't because it was a judgment call. But wh- why go to the video then? That's my thing. First of all, I don't believe that. I know that's what they, that was the reason they gave us 
Uh, but as I heard, as I thought about last night, does it really take that long to go through the rules that they already know in the first place? He made the call. So clearly he knows the rules. The umpires know the rules. So to go in and be on the, the, the headset, how long was that? It seemed like it was, it was four and a half minutes. It was a four and a half minute see, delay. See, for four and a half minutes, did it really take all of that time? I believe they were looking at it to see if they could overturn it and, that could then they realized that wasn't something that could actually happen. So they give us the reason that they gave us. But ultimately, here's the thing: I, I with replay, I, I, I'm kind of indifferent right now because too often we go to replay and we still don't get the call right uh, a, a, a lot of times. More more often than we than it should be. And I think it's really because of how uh, the rule is interpreted in terms of overturning a call. Right? In in, in a perfect world, what would happen is the guys who are in New York looking at this screen don't know what the original call was. I think this would be the perfect way to do it. You don't know what the original call is. The guys who are in New York just get to see the play and they have to make a decision. It shouldn't be, it's got to be clear-cut evidence, none of that, because this isn't football. You know, this the rule doesn't work the same. There are too many plays that are as bang-bang as that one last night where I just feel like if you make a, if you make a bad call, and there's not enough evidence to overturn that bad call. Right. What is the point of instant replay at this point? And, and, but I also think it's a slippery slope, though, if if you are reviewing judgment calls. I mean, that's what uh, is one of the unique things about uh, the game of, of baseball is that there are a lot of judgment calls out there, right? It's it's going to be through the lenses of whatever umpire is out there that day. And I, I personally like that part of the game. But if you start reviewing everything, by the way, we already play long enough games. We will be out yeah. there even longer if we're reviewing everything. <laughs> very true. Very true. And I, all that play, I'm, I'm just glad Dave Martinez, who had a heart procedure earlier yes. in the season, I, 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 he came out there like gangbusters. I mean, he looked like the Hulk coming out there. I, he wanted blood. I, that was something. I was like, I could see him turning green. Like, he's, he's turning into the Hulk. Oh, it's unbelievable. Let's talk about uh, a guy that seems like we talk about him every week, and rightfully so, and Juan Soto. The, the he's, I mean, talk about a guy that's just blossoming right in front of us. I mean, he's old now. He's, he just turned 21 last Friday. So... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this guy, I mean, is is the stage just it just doesn't bother him. It does not bother this kid. Um, the home run last night, the mimicking of of Alex Bregman uh, carrying his bat to first base. Um, but hey, talk about let the kids play. The kids are playing, and he is he he is the biggest kid. This this dude just just doesn't shy away. Now, one thing I want you to look for tonight, Anthony, is when he does his shimmy shuffle in the batter's box. Have you noticed at all that these Astros hitters, they're not even looking at him. They're like looking for the ball to get, they're, they're not even looking at him. That's what that signals to me. Every time he does it, he hits the ball hard the very next pitch. It seems like he might not get a hit, but he, he, he smokes the ball. And you know, it was interesting. I saw the same thing you did. Uh, BD was, it's like, man, nobody's, they're not even making eye contact. Now when it happened in the Cardinal series, Nicholas made sure he gave it back to him after he got it out. But Maybe these guys are just locked in and they want to get focus on the task at hand. That's the only thing I really think of. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it, it seemed like last night that where he, you know he swipes the batter's box with his back leg and he grabs his crotch and <laughs> you know it just seems like it was even more exaggerated 100%. last night. Like it was, and he starts shaking his head like, "Yep, I saw that pitch, hundred percent. I saw it all the way." But that's what it's I, like. It that's was, what I appreciate about the young man, though, because it's the same. He doesn't matter who's on the bump. Doesn't matter what kind of day he's having. If he feels that moment, he's gonna do it no matter what. And I, I like that. It, it shows it shows that this guy is not performing just because it's a certain guy. He's gonna do it every single time he feels the need. And and listen, his his game has backed it up, so you can't really be mad at it. That's the truth. That's true. And and, and on the opposite end, you have Alex Bregman who did it. And he actually apologized for carrying his bat to first base the way he did. And he said, you know what? I don't, I don't. I'm not surprised that Soto, you know, mimicked me. Um, he said, you know, he deserved it. And he said, I just, I wasn't raised to play baseball yeah, that way. I saw that. Was, that was, that was, that was cool for him to come out and say that, that maybe putting himself in front of, in front of the team um, and really maybe getting back to earth a little bit. Uh, but in that situation, you can't blame him. I mean, it's the world series game six. He just put his team up. Um, but it, it is nice to see some humility there from Alex Bregman. Yeah, it it, it is. And you knew you knew it was you knew it wasn't you knew it was a little bit out of character because when they panned over to his teammates and they all kind of had to like, I don't know if he should have did that right. look on their face, especially Altuve. You knew you knew something was you knew something was up. And if they won that game, do we get an apology? Probably not. No. <laughs> Probably not. Uh, but they lost, and not only did they lose, they had the young man Juan Soto come up and actually execute the handoff a little bit better than Bregman did. Bregman left his bat right by first base, yeah, and, and so it, it it looks a little bit different, and, and it has a little bit of different feel. But in Soto's case, again, that's that's a, a get back. You know, that's like okay, you did it. Now you've opened up Pantor's box. Now if I hit one, I'm definitely gonna do yeah. it. And what I think what Bregman recognized was, you know what, that could have. That was what I started was probably uncalled for, and it could have prevented Soto then doing the same thing. And he probably felt like he, he as you said, humility kind of set in on him, which, you know, in my, at least in the little bit of time I've seen Bregman, I don't know that he's had a lot of humility. Yeah. And I think this was one of those times where he's like, you know what? I went too far. And, and you got to respect that. Yeah. So let's, let's, let's get to a guy that's really ho hum in his interview after the game last night was just like, you know, he's just getting out of bed in the morning and waiting to get his first cup of coffee. Rendon? No, no, Steven Strasburg. <laughs> him too, I, both of yeah, them. Yeah, both of them. I mean, it's it's uh, Strasburg last night. He gives up two runs in the first and obviously, you know, could have finished the ball game nine strong. But, I mean, he's taking it to another level. Is is You know him. I mean, your dad coached him at, at San Diego State. Um, you know his personality. Is he a guy that's going to stay there in Washington or is he going to test the free agent waters? You know what? It, honestly, in, in my heart of hearts, I think he stays. Uh, he, he, he reminds me a lot of my father from the standpoint of those guys. They both like to be comfortable in their surroundings. Right. They, they don't like a lot of noise, a lot of hoopla. Um, and, and they like they like they like the people that they're with. I, I truly believe he he enjoys uh, Paul Menhart as his pitching coach. Mm -hmm. By the way, how good was that nugget in that interview where Basically, he was tipping pitches. Yeah, he said you got to start shaking on every Astros, pitch. You, you got to start shaking on every pitch. And all of a sudden, they had Astros had no answers. And it just goes to show you, honestly, how good the Astros are at picking up little things 
throughout the course of the year because they were on Strauss in that first inning. By the way, he still only gave up the two runs and got out of it uh, relatively easy other than those two, those, those, those two runs he gave up. But uh, the fact that he was able to make that adjustment, settle himself down, and, and really execute pitches. I mean, the changeup was was unbelievable yesterday. I don't know that I've seen his changeup, not only with that kind of depth, but with that kind of command. I mean, he was throwing that bad boy when he wanted, where he wanted, and Astros had no answers. But he still had the slider and the curveball that he would mix in there, too, to keep those hitters honest. And I just thought, I think what we're seeing right now is, is Steven Strasburg really coming to his own. I mean, he seems to be really comfortable in his skin. And as he said last night, he's learned to uh, set his own expectations and really block out everybody else's and go out and do his thing. And for for all the talk we've had about A.J. Cole and Justin Verlander, uh, uh, he's been the best pitcher in the playoffs for the entire time. He just hasn't had very many rocky starts. If And I think the most he's given up is two runs in, in a start uh, during the playoffs. This guy has been as good as any pitcher in the playoffs. And in my opinion, he's been better than every pitcher. In the yeah. He's five and oh, five and oh. I mean, he's, he's just been, he's <laughs> right. been great on a sidebar. You talked about how good the Astros are about picking stuff up. I remember one time, and this is a little off topic, but one time your dad came back to the bench and he goes, Hey fellas, you can really see the top three fingers on his circle change. They're real, oh, they're real, give me they're really high off the ball. And I thought, Oh, cool. That'll give me an advantage. So I go up there looking for the three fingers. I saw three fastballs and walked back to the bench. I said, yeah, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, my vision, my vision, eight twenty ten like Tony's. I'm gonna go back to just trying to let, pick up the ball. Let me let me add to that a little bit off topic as well, since we're talking about picking up things like that from my dad. Uh, I remember my first year in Beloit, going there to play a ball. It was my first professional season. I get there, uh, Don Money, who was our manager, asked him to come in and, and, and talk to us a little bit about it. And so he comes in and he's giving his spiel. And he gets to this point, that point kind of what you're talking about. He's all, when a guy has a changeup, you can usually see his hand covering the ball. And I had heard this spiel before. I had heard him talk to you guys. I heard him talk to his teammates about it. And I, I kind of picked my hand up, having you know been around my dad my whole life. I said, hey, dad, I, you know what? To be honest, I don't think anybody else sees that. <laughs> like you see, you see whole hand over the ball. You see fingers up, knuckles up on the curve. I was like, I don't see that. I only see spin. So I'm guessing that the majority of these guys in here, and mind you, we had some big leaguers. And I mean, Chris Fielder was in there. Ricky Weeks was in right. there. It's like, I, I I don't think any of us see that. And I remember Chris picking his hand. He's like, I certainly don't see that. Yeah. So, um, you know, you got to be careful. You got to be ter- careful taking tips from, from home. Yeah, you got to remember your audience at, at some time. <laughs> uh, getting back to the World Series, uh, you know, it's uh, it's been, it's just a, it's been a joy to watch. And, and, you know, what I was thinking of last night watching this game is how that the, the designated hitter, and I I think that the DH is inevitable. It's going to be in both legs. I just think that's the way we're headed. But think about how much that rule helped the Nationals last night. Because there's no way Strasburg stays in that game. No way these pitchers stay in games if if they have to pinch hit for him, right? If they're in a National League ballpark, Strasburg's out of the game by probably the sixth, right? Fifth or sixth inning, he's out of the ballgame. They need to hit for him. But that really benefited the Nationals last night because of the fact that he could stay in there. And the, the Nats bullpen has been a little shaky, but that rule really helped them last night in winning game six. Yeah, it did. There's no argument there. As much as I dislike the idea of a DH being universal, uh, there's no doubt that that helped uh, the Nationals last night. I mean, allowing uh, – and listen, 
to be obviously if they're able to tie that game earlier, he, he's able to stick in there. But uh, if you're down, yeah, the pitcher's got to come out no matter how good he's pitching. But because they were able to kind of grab hold of the lead and uh, and it also gave him time to get into his group because as the game got on, his command got better. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. he was he he got better as the game went on, got stronger as the game went on. In this case, I have to agree with you, Ben. The DH did help him, but God, I I'm not looking forward to the day that it becomes a universal. I just enjoy uh, the strategic uh, side of the National League much more than than the American League. But that's a discussion for another time. Absolutely. Let's look at uh, if the the Astros win tonight. Who's your MVP? Astros win tonight. It's got to be Brantley, right? It could be I Brantley mean, or Springer. Springer Springer's had an awful I, I, good I, World I, Series. Listen, I, I, it's it's got to be one of those two. Um, I, my my first choice would have been would have probably been Springer, but then I thought about the numbers I saw from Brantley. He's been pretty terrific too. He's played some good defense as well. Um, yeah, I, I'd say I'd be happy. I'd be okay with either one of those guys. I mean. George Springer is, in my opinion, is one of the more underrated players in the game. Like, you don't hear his name nearly as much as we should for how good he is. I mean, I'm with the, you. I'm with at, you. At the leadoff spot, uh, he can do so many things. And the best part about George Springer is, is he's gotten better over time. Like, mm-hmm. there, it, that first World Series, he was a little more free swinging. Um, he still had an unbelievable series even then. Now, he's a more refined hitter. Like, He'll take his walk. He'll spit on some of the nastier pitches now, and it only makes him more dangerous as a hitter. Michael Michael Brantley's been just Michael Brantley his whole career. I mean, he's he's been when he's healthy, he's one of the more consistent yeah. guys in the game, uh, and and he's got on the right stage for the first time in his career to really show that. Yeah, and if you have, I I could not agree more. It's nice to see him healthy, and what a pickup by the Astros. But if the Nationals win. Who's your MVP? I think either Strasburg or Soto, or do you have uh, someone else that can maybe sneak in there? No, no, I, 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 I'm looking, I'm looking at, uh, I'm looking at Soto. I'm excuse me, I'm looking at Strasburg. I mean, the really? the, the way he's pitched and when he's had to get up there and 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 really pitch well for his ball club, he's been right there for it, man. And 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 last night, I mean, almost almost throwing a CG, getting uh getting the first out in that inning. Uh, in that ninth and, and pitching as well as he did with his teams back against the wall. I, 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 I'm going with Strauss. I know uh, Juan Soto has been electrifying. We've gotten to see him do his thing, but um, to be on that stage last night and pitch that kind of game, I think that guy, that has to put him at the front. Yeah, I, I, I would have to agree. Even though he doesn't, you know, pitch every or play every day, um, you know, I, I think he has just put his team in such a good position to win. Um, I think we could uh, – pretty much end this discussion on some managerial changes. Um, you know, Girardi here in Philadelphia, you got Tingler in San Diego, you got David Ross in Chicago. Um, there's some, some big time names there. What is, we don't know a whole lot about Jace Tingler. What, what's he going to be able to bring to the Padres? Well, here's the thing is I, 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 I known Jace since college. Uh, we played in the Cape Cod league way back in the day. Uh, he, and he manages, or let me say his personality is much like his game was. He was a smaller guy, about five, six, uh, played the outfield, but he was one of those like um, grinders. Like he, he's, 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 he's one of those type of players that, um, really had to dig deep to get everything out of his game in order to be productive. 
And from what I gather is it's the same way. I think the thing that he brings to the table as a manager is his ability to communicate to a man. I, everybody I've talked to, whether it's Prince Fielder, whether it's assistant hitting coach uh, for the Rangers, Calix Crab, uh, they all say the same thing. He is one of the best communicators uh, that there is in our game. And that more importantly, because this is going to be the biggest factor in terms of the Padres and, and how, if this is going to work or not, is how will guys like Eric Hosmer and Manny Machado respond to a guy like Jace Tingle? Doesn't have any big league, uh, didn't play in the big league as a player, has been a, a big league bench coach uh, for a period of time. Um, how will they respond to him? Because if, if those guys get on board, everybody else follows suit. And from what I gather, uh, people I've talked to uh, who've been around Jace Tingler a, a little bit more than I have all say the same thing. He'll have zero problem with it. Now, at the end of the day, it remains to be seen. We'll have to find out come tw- uh, 2020. But that's what I'm hearing uh, in terms of Jace Tingler right now. Well, that's that's great to hear. I think he'll, 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 he will get that respect. Um, Joe Girardi signing here in Philadelphia. Everybody's absolutely ecstatic. They should uh, be. Yeah, I thought he was going to be the guy. Uh, remember, we interviewed him back, and I think it was like May. Yeah. And I asked him, I said, if the opportunity comes, would you be interested? And I, I couldn't even get the question out fast enough. He said, absolutely. <laughs> so uh, that shows how, how much he's into it, how much. And he said all the right things. That we, had the, uh, we had his interview on Monday here in Philly, and he said all the right things and really got the city back in a, in a really good mood from a baseball standpoint. Um, I think he's going to demand a little bit more respect from the players. Not that Gabe Kapler didn't, but I think that, you know, Joe Girardi is not going to, I think the, the, the rope will be a little bit shorter that yes. he gives, gives the yes. players. Mm-hmm. I think there'll be a few more rules instituted. Um, I think he might bring some of that quote unquote Yankee way with him here to Philadelphia and, and, and demand a little bit more out of his players. Yeah, no, Joe, we had Joe on shortly after the Padres let Andy Green go. And he, he said all the right things that day too. And what I like about Joe is he is, as even though he played in an era in which my dad played, uh, he's, he's very versed in the game. Now uh, he's mm-hmm. always been an analytic guy uh, to some, to some, to some degree. And he, he does a good job of incorporating that um, with, with the, the, the old school way uh, uh, of the game. He does a good job of, of blending both. I think, as you said, where he'll be valuable to the Phillies is there'll be a sense, that, and I don't want to make it seem like there was no discipline there, but as you said, it, the rope will be a little shorter and, mm-hmm. and guys will, will be on notice from the jump. And, and listen, the, the reality is when a lot of, in a lot of cases, when, when that is the, the case, uh, you end up getting better performances as your players because they know you know, they, they're not going to have the leeway that they've had before. Exactly right. And then conversely, in Chicago, you have David Ross, who's going to manage the guys that he played with and won a World <laughs> Series with. So Literally. I, I don't know. That's a, that's a different dichotomy there. I don't know how that's going to shake out. Obviously, he's very familiar with the city, uh, very familiar with the ball club. And, um, you know, he's never had that experience. I'm anxious to see how it goes down. Do you think you like the hire there in Chicago? I, I do. And here's why. Uh, those guys, when they won that title, what was it, 16 that they won the title? Mm-hmm. Uh, he, Those guys were really relatively young still. Like a lot of those guys who were doing damage uh, were young guys. So they already probably looked at, at Rossi as kind of a, a player coach. And, and listening to a few of them speak on it after uh, after David Ross got the job, that is the case. They, they, they said as much that we looked at them as kind of like a uh, – 
kind of like a, a a player coach. So I think that dynamic won't be there as far as him going from player to coach, because I think they kind of already looked at him that way. More importantly, the familiarity he has with those guys, he probably has a good idea of how to push uh, certain guys and, and what they need in order to get them going. I think that's a plus. Whereas Girardi, Jace Tingler, they're going to have to learn these guys on the fly as the season going. David Ross already kind of has that uh, on lock, I think. Yeah, that's a very good point. You, you know, he doesn't have to do as much research. I'm sure I'm sure that he's still going to get into it, but he knows these guys, like you said, uh, you know, pretty much inside and out and see what makes them tick. I don't know what they're going to do in New York. Um, it doesn't seem like, you know, I don't know if they're going to go with an old school guy like a Dusty Baker, Buck Showwater, uh, but that's obviously a, a spot that needs to be filled. And also in Pittsburgh with Clint Hurdle getting fired, where do they go? Do they go from within? Do they, do they go out and get... Um, you know, it doesn't seem like they're got a guy that uh, an organization that's going to go out and get a big name guy. So, you know, we'll see where they go, but there's still that couple more jobs out there. And I look for them to be filled relatively soon. Uh, but that's this game seven tonight. I just, I can't wait. Uh, I think Scherz is going to be up to the task. Uh, if he was ready to go last night, believe me, he's going to be definitely ready to go tonight. So uh, it should be, it should be a good one. I'm looking for the Nats to win it all tonight. Yep, I'm with you. I, I'm looking for the Nats to win it all tonight. I, 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 again, I really like Scherzer. It, it, I think more importantly, can Greeky put together put together another performance like he did in Game Three at Washington? You know what I'm saying? Like that's yeah. That I, I have a hard time seeing them being able, seeing him being able to keep this lineup down for a second straight way in which in the way in which he did it now. It's all obsolete if Houston off Houston's offense comes to play like they did in Washington. But I have a feeling True. that's going to be a tougher task against a guy like Max Scherzer. Yeah, absolutely. But I think with with regards to Greinke, I think he's a guy that if you see him more, the more comfortable you're going to be with him. It's almost like in that first game, he threw a lot of fastballs. I mean, right down the middle that that they were taking, and it, well, it kind of caught me off guard. Because like here's they were what, for something else. Yeah. Well, here's the thing with with Grinke, what makes him tough. And he's been like this for for a long time. I think it almost makes him a a little bit more difficult because his fastball velocity has dropped. But now that fastball and that changeup look almost identical, except one is moving like a split. And what I think caught the Washington off guard was usually you can you can kind of see the difference. But he had so much movement on the changeup, and they're both eighty nine miles per hour. You're literally swinging at, you think you're swinging at the same pitch only to have the bottom drop out of one. And I think it made some of those national hitters a little hesitant. As you said, they they ended up missing the 89 right down the middle or taking it because they think it's going to be a changeup. Now, if he has that kind of stuff again, they got a shot. But uh, he's shown throughout the course of the season that it's hard for him to replicate uh, the same stuff, you know, in consecutive starts. Yeah, absolutely. But without a doubt, we are in for a doozy. Game 7, there's nothing better than Game 7 in any sport you're watching, but obviously we're partial to the World Series, Tony Gwynn. (laughs) But uh, we'll see what our friend Brad Lidge has to say about it and his former team, the Houston Astros, coming right up. 
Hey everyone, Cody Decker from Swings and Misses, the Radio.com Sports Original, here to talk to you about hymns. You know, I've been taking hymns now for a couple of months now. My hair has been growing back thicker, fuller than it has been in years. Baseball did everything it could to try and take my hairline away, and now, thanks to hymns, I'm getting it back. 66% of men lose their hair by age 35, and me being 32, it was time to get forhims.com. They are your one-stop shop for hair loss, skin care, and sexual wellness for men. This Black Friday, secure the best deal of all, a healthier, thicker hairline. This Thanksgiving, when your relatives say, healthy and full, they're finally talking about your hair and not the turkey. No more awkward in-person doctor visits or long pharmacy lines. 4HIMS connects you with real doctors online which could save you hours. It's completely confidential and discreet. Answer a few quick questions online and a doctor will review and they'll determine whether or not HIMS is right for you. Order now and our listeners can get started with a HIMS Complete Hair Kit for just $5 today right now while supplies last and subject to doctor's approval. See full website for details and safety information and that website, 4HIMS.com swings. This is a perfect time of year to bring aboard Brad Lights Out Lidge, who had a huge World Series run with the Phillies back in 2008. I remember watching that and just being here in Philly. And the next day on Halloween is when they had the parade. Uh, boy, what a memorable time. But, you know, they were, he was perfect that season 48 for 48 uh, in saves, opportunities. And a former Astro, obviously now game seven tonight uh, with the Nationals. And uh, we get a chance to talk. To Brad Lidge and Brad, first and foremost, I want to know who gave you the nickname "Lights Out." Oh, well, listen, that's a that's a great question uh, because I'm not exactly sure when it comes down <laughs> to it. When when I was in Houston, um, I think somewhere, so I got the closing job at, at like mid season in 2004. We we uh, traded Octavia Dotel, and uh, I was I was the next in line, so I got the job with the Astros in 2004. Uh, to close and, and it was it was going real well and I think there was if, if I'm not mistaken I think there was like a radio show that was saying we need to give them a nickname so callers call in or whatever and um, somehow I think you know it, I don't even know if it started in the papers or maybe on the radio show I think that's probably the way it the way it ended up and I remember um, towards the end of that year they they had some like t-shirts or something that they were that they were making with it and uh uh, I, I was, listen, I was fired up. Like I thought it was the coolest nickname ever. So, um, I was, I was happy that it was there and I was happy to get a nickname at all. And, uh, uh, you know, and, and it just kind of, uh, I think stuck with me there. And then when I went over to Philly, it just kept, uh, it, it followed me over there. Um, so yeah, like I said, I was, I was thrilled that it, uh, wasn't like a, you know, a bad nickname or something. So I'll, I'll anything, any, anything good I'll take. Yeah, no doubt about it. Lights out Lidge. I, I think there aren't too many better nicknames in, in baseball. I want to go back to that 2008 season though, Brad, because, uh, I was on that Milwaukee squad. We faced you guys in the first round and yes. I just want you to talk about the intensity of being in that type of environment. Cause it was my first time ever being in the playoffs. And I just remember looking up in the stands at one point and those white towels were going round and round. It was one of the loudest buildings I've ever been to been in. How are you able to get on the mound and kind of hone your focus in and, and tune out the noise or, or can you tune out the noise? Uh, listen, that's a great question. And, and, and I remember that series. Well, the, the Milwaukee series with you guys, um, you know, I, I, I think for me, you know, one of the biggest things I, I will tell you, my, my first game, uh, in the 2004 playoffs, uh, we were playing the Atlanta Braves in Atlanta. And actually, when I was running out to pitch in that game, you know how loud they have that dang uh, stereo equipment there in the old in the yeah. old field. For, uh, I don't know if it's still as loud. I haven't been to the new field. But uh, the, the old field was just so loud. And, I, you know, I got out there and uh, everyone screaming. And, and like, my, my legs felt like jello, honestly. Like, I felt like it was my, my major league debut all over again. 
Um, I don't even think I pitched very well that day, but, but listen, it, it is, it is one of those deals where the intensity and the environment are at a total different level. And, yeah. and you're also right about how loud it is. You know, I've been playing it in Houston, we got back there, you know, the roof would be closed and, and it was just a totally different level of sound. Um, and, you know, I think as, as a home player, you could really feed on that. And, uh, you know, sometimes, I, I don't know, I mean, I, I say that, but in this World Series, we've seen the road team win six games in a row. Yeah. <laughs> right, the, right. The uh, home field advantage is supposed to be, but it's not, it's not there right now. But it really is um, a totally different level of kind of heightened senses and uh, adrenaline. And you really do have to make sure when you go out there, you're taking breaths. And I think the guys that have, you know, there's always that, that saying that, you know, the, the people that the, the experience really does matter. And I think it does matter in terms of being able to kind of calm your body down and right, take in right. that adrenaline and not let it get the best. Yeah, that definitely is. A, I remember playing at the Astrodome and thinking to myself, man, this is an awful, awful building. <laughs> like this is the eighth wonder of the world. Like you got to be kidding me. And I remember getting to getting a Minute Maid Park and thinking, "Wow, man, they they did it right here." And you're right; it, it gets so loud there in Houston. And obviously, you know, having to face some of those lineups: Berkman, Bagwell, Bijou. It was not easy. But you look at this current Astros team, Brad, and uh, you talk about really the complete package. Um, yes. I just, it marvels. I marveled about what they have not been able to do with runners in scoring position in this particular World Series. I don't get it. What do you see there? It is really strange to me. Um, I think probably you have to go on both sides of, a, of the equation, right? And, and say, man, the Nationals have, have really delivered some some stellar pitching in a lot of crucial situations. Um, clearly last night, Strasburg was, was dialing it up to another level win. Runners were in scoring position, and quite frankly, he executed his pitches so well the whole game last night. Uh, yeah. But it is it is surprising, uh, you know, for a team like the Astros. I think, you know, look, it's so easy to rely on the long ball uh, in 2019 that, that sometimes guys, I, I, you know, they just kind of go up there and they're thinking, okay, uh, if he makes a mistake, I'm going to hit the home run. They're not thinking if, if I go up there and he never makes a mistake, I'm going to battle him and just put the ball in play. Uh, you know, with runners in scoring position. And I, I don't think that's the thought process when I look at hitters right now. And uh, if, if there's going to be an advantage offensively for the Nationals in any place, I think it's just their mentality uh, that they kind of recognize uh, that, that they're better off. Uh, you know, even though Adam Eaton hit a home run, like, I mean, he's bunting guys over. He's trying to move guys over. So mm -hmm. um, when they get guys on base, they get them to second, third, and then those little things kind of come into play. But um, you know, I think the, the Astros one through seven or whatever you want to say are so used to being able to hit the, the long ball and are so good at it that I think they just kind of naturally feel like I'm going up there looking for that one pitch, looking for that mistake, and I'm going to drive it out of the park if I get it. Yeah. And, and you know, a, a good example of that was Rendon's first at bat in that in, in that first inning where he's battling and all of a sudden he gets that slider away. He doesn't try to do too much. He recognizes second base area is vacated he just slaps it over there they get the first run on the board yeah. but it, it seems like Houston's a, been a different team on the road I mean yes they got the long ball in in Washington but they did a much better job of of manufacturing runs uh throughout those three games that they had in in, in Washington is there a reason you think they come home and it seems like they go back to reverting to, as you said, going after the long ball. You know, it, it's a great question, and, and I'm trying to wrap my head around exactly why that is myself. But the one thing that is potentially true, and it's funny because, you know, I don't know why the Nationals, therefore, were not able to hit Washington. But sometimes I think, you know, when you look at 
the surrounding, you know, environment. I mean, you know, you go to Washington, it's a little bit colder there. Uh, the ball doesn't carry quite as much, especially at this time of year. Um, so, so maybe your mentality when you're hitting batting practice and everything else is just, okay, I'm going to drive the ball. Uh, I'm going to have, you know, solid contact. I'm not looking, trying to yank everything out of the ballpark. It's not going to be as easy to do that here anyways. And then you get back to minute made and it's like, you know, the, the roof's closed and you have the perfect temperature and the ball carries like it's, you know, you're batting practice, everything is jumping out to the crop. The block good point, the right good field. Point. and I think it maybe you know just kind of gets in that mentality a little bit that it's easier to hit that long ball uh and you know it's something they've done all year so maybe they start to swing from the you know from the shoot tops a little bit more and try and uh and try and hit that home run I, I just sometimes the environment I think can come into play uh in terms of the the psychology of what those guys are looking at what they're trying to do otherwise it's really hard to explain because you just wouldn't think it would be the case the way everything has shook out and for having you know, the road team went man, six straight games in the series, and you know, they were showing how that was a record in any major sport last night. You just, I, I mean, there's just no way that anyone was, would have thought that that would be possible considering how dominant the Astros were at home this year. You know, Brad, we look at some of the, the pitchers, a lot, lot of hype surrounding the starting pitching in the series, and rightfully so, the two best rotations in all of baseball. But you look at some of these guys and certain guys with some really good off-speed pitch. You look at Strasburg last night with his curveball. The changeup looked like a left-handed slider at times. I mean, that's how dominant it yeah, was. Yeah. Uh, you, know, you know, you talk about your slider, Brad, and, and yours was a little different in the fact that I think sometimes your slider had a little bit more depth than most. Uh, was there ever a time you just said, you know what, I can throw this pitch anytime, anywhere, and I know this guy in the batter's box does not have a chance? Because that's the way it was with Strasburg last night. Did you ever get that feeling on the mound like this this guy has no chance? Um, you know, I guess maybe at certain times you'd feel really good out there and confidence would be very high, right? And you'd get out there and, and, and I think like on certain days you could just see the action on the pitch and you could see how hard it was biting. And you knew, okay, if I throw it for a strike early in the count, uh, they're not going to swing at it because it's maybe starting up and they're not seeing the break. And then later in the count, if I can establish it as a strike, uh, and I can move that thing downward. I'm going to get that swing and miss on it. And yeah, you feel like that, uh, you know, every once in a while when you're out there, it doesn't matter who you're facing or what's going on. You, you know that that's going to be a pitch you're going to get misses at. But that being said, I mean, you still in the back of your mind. I think for me, I always do. I still have to establish the fastball at some point because at some point hitters are going to start saying, even if I can't see that pitch, I'm going to sit back and wait for the break. Uh, so you got to be able to establish that fastball. And I think, you know, looking at Strasburg last night, um, he, you know, at the beginning of the game, he went after him with some fastballs and they got some hits and, and obviously Bregman hit the home run. And, and I think to his credit, you know, he went, he went out there with fastballs and he kept sticking with his fastball, although his command of it started getting better. And the fact that he was still mixing in that pitch made the, the curveball and the, uh, the changeup that much better. But, but you're right. I mean, that changeup was, was absolutely filthy last night. And I think even more, cause when he came up to the major leagues, you know, he was throwing 100 miles an hour. I remember, you know, I remember it well. And he was, you know, maybe 97 to 100, and the curveball was just electric, and the changeup was good. But now I think the changeup is his best pitch without without question. And I think it, it just kind of wrecks with a hitter and their mentality when you've got balls moving in every different direction and everything is sharp and he has confidence in all of it. And that fastball still has, you know, it's 95, but it's got that life, that, that finish on it, that kind of late run. Um, and I just think he he probably feels when he's out there right now, he can go to any of those pitches. And if he locates them, it doesn't matter who he's facing. That, that's such a good point. I mean, because as a hitter, I think everything is predicated off the fastball. And when you have a changeup that is as good as his, 
it makes it makes the at bat that much tougher. Brad, as you watch the game today, who who are the closers that that you watch that you enjoy uh, watch watching finished games? Uh, well, I'll tell you what, that's a, that's a great question. Um, uh, because the closers this year, there was a, you know, by and large things were kind of, uh, I would say interesting for probably the three guys that you would go into the season and Rolls Chapman did a great job up and I guess maybe you could say up until the home run by Altuve, but, uh, yeah, I right. pitch and, and everything he puts into each pitch, um, and Kimbrel, Ken, Kenley Jansen. I mean, these are guys that coming into 2019, you're like, Yes, they will be the most dominant guys, no question about it. Uh, you know, they, they are those guys. But, of course, Kim will have a holdout. It was not as effective this year. Kenley Jansen, um, you know, battling some health issues. This, the stuff was down a little bit this year. Um, so some of the guys that, that uh, you know, maybe I came into the year, uh, you know, really excited to watch just weren't really able to get the, the best out of out of themselves. We've kind of seen a little bit of a – of a transition maybe uh, to some, to a different set of closers this year, but it also kind of speaks to uh, uh, I think the nature of the position and the fact that there are more kind of bullpen by committee uh, deals going on these days and, and not as many kind of like lockdown closers. I think a role Chapman's kind of, I don't want to say he's the last of a dying breed. There's certainly always going to be closers that uh, teams will have, but instead of seeing like 20 go-to guys that you absolutely know are going to be, you know, the ones getting the ball in the ninth inning. Now we've got maybe like, eight to 10 of those guys and every other bullpen's kind of figuring it out as they go uh, or, or the guys that were, that were super dominant coming in this year are not, we're not quite that way. So there's a little bit of a transition happening right now in baseball uh, uh, with that. So it's kind of a, we'll kind of see the continue to see this evolution of, of bullpen guys, but it's, it's been very interesting to watch. You know, obviously Brad, me being a, a former backstop, I uh, I'm partial to the, to the catchers back there. And, and you got to throw to some, some really, really good catchers in my eyes, uh, guys that are very smart guys that receive well, but you had yes. Brad Osmus in, in Houston, obviously uh, Carlos Ruiz in Philadelphia Two, in my opinion, one of the best uh, two of the best receivers and smartest guys that I've been around. Tell me what it's like to have a, a veteran guy back there really leading you through a ball game or leading you in particular through an inning. Oh man. I, I mean, it, it was such a big deal for me in my career. I mean, honestly, when I got to Houston, I was kind of uh, still pretty rough around the edges and unpolished in terms of what I was trying to do out there on the, on the, on the mound and having Brad Offense behind the plate, you know, that's one thing for, for young pitchers that is just, I mean, it's such a big deal to not have to think through a game to just have a, a catcher put down a finger and then just, you know, you just accept that that is the right pitch because you know how good they are and, and you rear back and you throw it with everything you have and with conviction because you believe in what they called. It, it goes a long ways. And I think, yeah, having a, a veteran receiver uh, behind the dish, a guy that you trust is, is just an incredible thing. And I think another thing about it, Ben, and, you know, obviously having been a backstop, the, the, the value of guys that can, they can block that pitch in the dirt with with two strikes. That that slider, the slider in the dirt for me, or whatever it's going to be, uh, with a runner on third base, and to have the confidence to let it go. And Chooch, I mean, honestly, like Brad Osmus was great. Chooch was incredible at it. Uh, I, I I was super lucky to have the benefit of both of those guys. Uh, but you know, that's one thing I was never afraid to do in, in Philly is just let that slider rip because I know Chooch was going to block it and keep it right there. And that runner on third wasn't going to go anywhere. Uh, so I, I was very fortunate for that. But I think calling the game uh, and blocking the balls as well is such an, uh, an important thing. And in fact, when you look at the, the receivers in this World Series, you know, I think both teams understand the value of that. And that's why it's not necessarily a big name guy behind the plate, but it's somebody that's a veteran that, 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 that knows, you know, the fingers to put down and it's going to block the ball right in front of them when there's uh, that two strike slider in the dirt or curveball in the dirt. 
All right, Brad. Well, listen, man, we certainly appreciate your time coming on. Uh, happy watchings of Game 7. Absolutely. Thanks so much. We appreciate it. Yeah, that was great. Really appreciate it, fellas. Take care. All right. Take All care. Right. Take care. We'll see you. Well, thanks for listening to Radio.com Sports Big Time Baseball Players Edition, presented by Radio.com Sports. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes or wherever you download your podcast by searching Big Time Baseball. You can also find it on Twitter at RDC Sports. Until next time, I'm Ben Davis alongside Tony Gwynn Jr. Enjoy Game 7 of the World Series tonight. This has been a presentation of Radio.com Sports. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.